Well, well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode today, don't we, Scotty? All the special, all the episode. All the time. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023, National Lazy Day. <laughs> Damn it. Fine. I guess I'll be lazy. I had a comment on that, but I'm feeling kind of lazy. Yeah. All right. We'll do our scoreboard stomper. We've got our flex seal of the week. We've got three notable jabronis. We'll get into our Hall of Fame inductee, the Iron Sheik. We'll get our scoreboard stumper answer. We will play Chasing the Mendoza line. We will go to church. We've got three shampoos, and we'll send you on your merry little way. So without further ado, hit me with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. All right. So we've got the new baseball rules. We've got bigger bags. We've got the pizza boxes out there. All right, so I want to know, actually, who has the only 70 stolen base season in the last 15 years? Only 70 stolen base season in the last 15 years. In the last 15 years. Yeah. Is it, um, is it Michael Bourne, Juan Pierre, or Jacoby Ellsbury? Yeah, Juan Pierre had some good years for the White Sox. Michael Bourne was maybe the weirdest guy I've ever seen play center field, but, you know. Yeah, Michael Bourne was there when they he started with the Phillies technically when they had like way too many outfielders. They had like Shane Victorino. They had like all these guys who could play center field and they didn't know who to keep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Michael Bourne, actually. All right. All right. That'd be a weird one, but we shall see. Uh let's move on to our Flex Seal of the Week. Hi, Phil Swift here for Flex Tape, the super strong waterproof tape. That can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. Each week, we recognize a franchise transaction that in no way fills the needs of the organization. This week's Flex Seal of the Week is Baltimore Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown. Yeah. Suspended uh, for reading statistics <laughs> about the team. Uh, care to elaborate, Scotty? Yeah, it was so unfortunate for him to be reading statistics about how the Orioles haven't performed well when they play in Tropicana Field uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the, he was pointing out that the last time they had won a series there was actually 2017 when his broadcast partner uh, was still a pitcher there for the uh, Orioles. <laughs> and he was like kind of making excuses why, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's a good franchise. It's a good team. So it's not surprising that they would struggle against them. You know, he wasn't being a dick or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was, if anything, he was making excuses for their uh, lack of production there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like as Reds fans, we're used to for, we're used to them throwing up a graphic saying like, "Oh yeah, the Reds haven't Here's won." Here's how bad we've been. Yeah, the Reds haven't won a series against the Seattle Mariners since 2002. Right. <laughs> we're like, "Ha ha, that's normal." Which is kind of how it goes. <laughs> and they're like, "You're suspended." <laughs> Suspending him really does nothing. nothing. If anything, I feel like it makes things worse cuz you're like silencing him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about talk about your troubles in Tropicana Field. It's all right. Yeah, I mean, as an Orioles fan, I would be concerned about that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on to notable jabronis. 
First notable jabroni, Micah Parsons uh, in hot water with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, keeps hitting the quarterback. <laughs> don't get, don't hit the guy in the red shirt, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have one job. <laughs> <laughs> he must have skipped day one of camp. <laughs> Didn't get the memo, I guess. I feel like he had this problem last year. Or maybe we were talking about a different player hitting the quarterback too much last year. But it's like, I mean, really? With how many problems the Cowboys already have keeping Dak Prescott healthy? Come on, yeah. dude. <laughs> Wild. Um, all right, we'll move on to uh, Tim Anderson. Uh, people probably already know about this one. He was uh, suspended six games for a brawl with Jose Ramirez. I don't know why you would ever f- want to fight Jose Ramirez. <laughs> no. He got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Planted on his ass from a punch in the face. Uh, he got suspended six games. Ramirez only got three, adding insult to injury, literally. Um yeah, then you know people have been coming out saying that there's no rules with the White Sox. Yeah, one of their former players said there's no rules in their clubhouse. They're just shirt brothers. There's <laughs> no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> I want them to ever do another rule in their lives. <laughs> um, but like you go on Twitter and you're like kind of watching Tim Anderson have this like Antonio Brown style arc of a crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, Antonio Brown style for sure. It gets worse too because Yasmani Grandal had some physical contact with Tim Anderson prior to the All Star break too. That's right. Yeah, I guess Tim Anderson mouthed off to Grandall, and Grandall smacked him straight in the face while he was sitting in the ice tub. <laughs> <laughs> this is where no rules will get you. Um, <laughs> you know, Grandall already did it, but then Jose Ramirez laid his ass out. <laughs> laid him out. Man, Tim Anderson, we're so done with you. So done with you. And then last and certainly not least, Pat McAfee. Ugh. It's in hot water for some appalling comments he made. Yeah, he was making comments about like Michigan State's um, like certain jerseys that they're gonna wear for a game this year. How they're like pretty ugly looking. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he said that like you know, of course, Larry Nasser must have designed them. And it's like, the fuck are you talking about, Larry Nasser? As you may know, you know, Michigan State. Um, gymnastics head coach who is in prison for the rest of his life <laughs> so and he recently got stabbed in prison so you know <laughs> fuck around and find out fuck around karma's a bitch and so is pat mcafee yes all right <laughs> moving on to our hall of fame inductee the iron sheik Hossein Khosro Ali Vaziri was born March 15, 1942, in Damgan, Iran. His parents, Ghassem and Miriam, owned a farm that grew pistachios and grapes. When Khosro was a boy, his family moved to Tehran and opened a wrestling gym. He grew up training around some of Iran's best wrestlers and became a talented wrestler in his own right. His prominence in wrestling helped him earn a job as a bodyguard for the family of the Shah of Iran, like the king. <laughs> After the Olympic gold medal winning wrestler Golam Reza Takti died under mysterious circumstances in 1968, perhaps for displeasing the Shah, Vaziri left Iran for the United States and settled in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis Minnesota. Cosro became an assistant coach for two of the U.S. Olympic wrestling squads in 1970, and he served as an assistant coach at the 1972 Olympic Games in Munich. That same year, Vaziri was invited to become a professional wrestler by promoter Vern Gagne. 
He trained in the same class as Ric Flair and then wrestled in Gagne's American Wrestling Association as a typical, quote, good guy, or as we call it in wrestling, a face, a face character. At the suggestion of Gagne's wife, Cosro turned heel. He shaved his head, grew a buffo-style mustache, and added wrestling boots with the toes curled up and took up the name The Great Hossein Arav. <laughs> In 1979, Cosro signed with the World Wrestling Federation and won the first ever Battle Royale in Madison Square Garden. This earned him a title matched against Bob Backlund, who pinned Vaziri after a 30-minute brawl. He would also feud with Chief Jay Strongbow and Bruno Sammartino before leaving in 1980. In April of 1980, Vaziri signed with NWA, wrestling a handful of matches as Hussein Arab before finally setting up, settling upon the Iron Sheik. Yes. His ultra-villainous persona played, a t- played on topical events such as the Iran hostage crisis, and his finisher was a submission move called the Camel Clutch, which yeah. is invented by Eddie Guerrero's grandfather. <laughs> the Iron Sheik would defeat Jim Brunzel to win the NWA Heavyweight Championship in May of 1980 and held the belt until November when he lost it to Ricky Steamboat in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Viziri would unsuccessfully challenge Dusty Rhodes for the World Heavyweight Championship before leaving NWA in August of 1981. The Iron Sheik took his character on the road to Mid-South Wrestling, Championship Wrestling, and Georgia Georgia Championship Wrestling, but would land back in the WWF in 1983. Sheik would again challenge Bob Backlund for the heavyweight belt, and in a work, Sheik put Backlund in the camel clutch, with Backlund's manager throwing in the towel. In forfeiting the belt, the company could transition to Hulk Hogan without Hogan having to face a babyface champion. Nearly a month after winning the championship, Iron Sheik faced off with the Hulk Hogan. Iron Sheik faced off with Hulk Hogan, getting him into the camel clutch, but Hogan would hulk out and power to his feet (laughs) before ramming Iron Sheik into the turnbuckle and landing his atomic leg drop to win the title. The Sheik then teamed with Croatian wrestler Nikolai Volkov to form one of the best heel routines of all time. The pair would carry the flags of Iran and the Soviet Union to the ring while demanding the crowd to be quiet and show respect. While Volkov sang a throaty rendition of the Soviet national anthem to the chorus of booze, <laughs> <laughs> Sheik would then grab the microphone and exclaim, Iran number one, Russia number one. Then he'd say, USA? And, and imitate spitting. The gimmick received major heat from the crowd, and she got more heat by concluding his interviews with Mean Gene Okerlund by saying, hey, cameraman, zoom it, and flexing his muscles for the lens. <laughs> the pair won the WWF Tag Team Championships from the U.S. Express at the first ever WrestleMania after she knocked out Barry Windham of the Express with classy Fred Blassie's cane. <laughs> Classy Freddy Blassie. <laughs> hey, cameraman, zoom it. Zoom it. In 1987, Iron Sheik and Volkov were embroiled in one of the best on-screen feuds with patriotic face Hacksaw Jim Dugan. But in May of 87, Dugan and Vaziri were pulled over in New Jersey on their way to a WWF event. 
Dugan was driving while stoned, and Sheik was high on cocaine, with small amounts of coke being found throughout the vehicle. Yikes. <laughs> the scandal that erupted from two rival wrestlers being caught doing drugs together <laughs> also killed their angle <laughs> and ended up in Sheik's release from WWF in October. He'd returned to WF in 1988, but would only work house shows, and comments were made regularly about his diminished mobility and noticeable weight gain. Sheik had cut promos to challenge then-world champ Macho Man Randy Savage, but nothing came of it, and he was released again in July of 88. <laughs> the Sheik bounced between promotions yet again, fighting in the WCCW, AWA, and NWA until his third and final return to WWF in 1991. <laughs> so he did WWF four times total, came back to it three times. He's the Billy Martin of WWF. <laughs> Cosro appeared as Colonel Mustafa, teaming with Sergeant Slaughter, who portrayed themselves as Iraqi war sympathizers <laughs> and feuded with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. In 1996, Sheik teamed with his old nemesis, Bob Backlund, to manage the Sultan, who had a Middle Eastern gimmick. By the end of 1997, he failed another drug test, or as Sheik called it, quote, a medicine test, <laughs> and was released. Iron Sheik reappeared in 2001 at WrestleMania X7 and won the gimmick Battle Royale comprised of outlandish and popular wrestlers from the 80s and 90s. Rather than being booed for winning, the villainous Sheik, who had a cult following, was cheered as a fan favorite. In May of 2003, Cosro's eldest daughter, Marissa Vaziri, was murdered by her boyfriend, Charles Reynolds. The Iron Sheik said that he'd consider attacking Reynolds with a razor blade in court, but Reynolds would receive a life sentence and eventually die in 2016. The Sheik promised to repair his family, but Marissa's death made it harder for him to quit drugs. After several failed attempts, Viziri was able to get sober in 2009. Before WrestleMania 21 in 2005, the Iron Sheik was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame by his longtime rival and former partner, Sergeant Slaughter. It was in the late 2000s that the Iron Sheik became known for his Twitter account, <laughs> which featured violent, profanity-ridden tweets about pop culture events, bedbugs, jabronis, and Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hogan. <laughs> Mostly Hulk Hogan. <laughs> well, he never wrote the tweets himself. His managers, Gian and Page, handled his account. In 2014, a documentary about Viziri titled The Sheik was released. And in the same year, Viziri challenged the mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford, to an arm wrestling match. I don't know why. I never said why. <laughs> he just did. <laughs> Cosro Viziri died at his home in Fayetteville, Georgia, on June 7th, 2023, from congestive heart failure and hypertension. He had emigrated to the United States to seek a he had emigrated to the United States to seek a better life. And while his characters had always spit on the USA, <laughs> he was very much grateful to the opportunities it had afforded him. The Iron Sheik spent 40 years in the wrestling business, but his mark will last much longer. And for, and for that, Bubba, you are a legend. Truly a legend. The Iron Sheik. Yeah, like an entire segment of our show is like dedicated to him, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, notable jabroni. This is like his Iron Sheik thing. Basically, uh, all his twit, all his tweets were about jabronis, and yeah, mostly about Hulk Hogan. And again, that was just like, you know, his relatives running the account. But yeah, um, it was all in the spirit of his characters. 
Oh yeah, it was kayfabe. It was still he was still keeping kayfabe up over Twitter. It's actually true that him and Hogan were like cool. And in 2014, <laughs> he said like, "Hey man, that's the past of the past. Respect that man." <laughs> well, you know, and everything Hulk Hogan's been through, it makes it totally okay for him to bash him. Nobody's yeah. questioning him bashing Hulk Hogan anymore. Right. No, and, that's, <laughs> and that's the thing is, is that Hulk Hogan just continued to get worse than the Iron Cheek's characters even were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's why he becomes a face character. Yeah. Hulk Hogan like went heel in real life. Yeah, you got like the Hulk Hogan's and the Glenn Jacobs's of the world out there just fucking up. <laughs> a guy like the Iron Sheik is still revered to this day. Like yeah. fans are hu- still huge for him. And you know everybody, yeah, beloved. <laughs> it was always the like foreigner gimmick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> couldn't let it go. Reading this and writing it up and like trying to figure out how I wanted to word it, it was like everything was such a foreigner gimmick. But like I thought it was hilarious that like even him and Sergeant Slaughter found a way to like make themselves into like Iraqi war sympathizers. <laughs> Oh boy! But yeah, z- ca- hey cameraman, zoom it. That's gonna be like, my line from my, from now on. Zoom it, zoom it. All right, Iron Sheik, truly a legend. All right, then hit me, baby, one more time with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. All right. So who has the only seventy stolen base season in the last fifteen years? Is it Juan Pierre, Jacoby Ellsbury, or Michael Bourne? I said Michael Bourne. It was Ellsbury. Ellsbury, yeah. Um, Juan Pierre had 68 in 2000 and, um, 2010. Oh, yeah, Ellsbury was, had 70 in 2009. Still um, a base machine. I'm never going to go with the white guy, though, on something like that. Right. I remember when <laughs> Ellsbury came out, He, I remember seeing him steal home and being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get to see Ellie La Cruz do, do it here. So fun stuff. Good stuff. Speed yeah. kills. All right. Uh, moving on to chasing the Mendoza line. There's only two guys left. Uh, part of that being due to the Buxton injury. Byron Buxton, I think he's hurt now. Oh, no. Either way, yeah, he doesn't qualify anymore. I don't think the other two guys qualify anymore. So we're down to these two, and they're both moving in the wrong direction. They need to turn around on the on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> it's August, boys. Yep. <laughs> Crunch time. First up, Max Muncie, LA Dodgers. He is down two points. Two more points to 194. I think when we started this segment this year, he was at 198. He's now down to 194. He is three of his last 20, a 150 average over that span of time. Uh, and the other one is, you guessed it, Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies. He's down three points to 182. <laughs> he is seven of his last 49 for a 143 average. Um. Yeah, he's got 18 points to make up here in the next two months. So, I want to do I want to do something with Kyle Schwarber and figure out when's the last time his average was above 200. Like in his like life. no, like yeah, like maybe it was 2021. <laughs> maybe it was like the first day of the season for like one day. I mean, I'm playing the guy who has Schwarber in fantasy this week, and I'm banking on him having another Mendoza type type week. <laughs> the problem with these guys is like they're always gonna get the at bats because they hit home runs. Yeah. They're definitely going to qualify. <laughs> I hit dingers. Until the end. That's yeah. all I do. I hit dingers. <laughs> Them and their softball stats. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We need a little bit of spirituality. Let's uh, go to church. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to Buddy Bell, father of Reds manager, David Bell. Uh, he quietly resigned from the Reds front office for unknown reasons. 
which it just seems really weird with like all the history he has with the organization and his son being the manager and all and all the success the team has had lately for him to resign in the middle of the season just seems really weird. Uh, we might have more insight on that later. Some of that might come out and you might hear us cover it, but it just seems very strange. Um, yeah. So thoughts and prayers to him, whatever's going on. Maybe it's like an internal family issue, a health issue, and he just doesn't want anyone to talk about it. But right. Thoughts and prayers to Buddy Bell. Part of a three-generation uh, sports family, much like the Boons, mm-hmm. uh, Gus Bell, Buddy Bell, and David Bell, um, and Mike Bell, Mike Bell. Uh, buddies uh, or not buddies, uh, David's brother even played for like the Rangers a little bit, I believe. So, um, yeah, thoughts and prayers to you, Buddy Bell. Uh, and we'll just, uh, on a positive note, we'd like to end on. Uh, we'll go to shampoo. Shampoo. Let's start with Cool Hamels retiring. <laughs> Uh, he was trying to make a comeback unsuccessfully, collected a couple million dollars. He still gets that two mil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. I'll still, still get my still two, get mil. two mil. <laughs> Man, we were killing it with I think he should leave today. <laughs> yeah, Cole Hamill signed a one year contract with the Dodgers last year and a one year contract with the Padres this year. And each year he was given a million dollars and he never threw a pitch Jim for either of them. So, Jim Poo to you, Cole, Cole Hamill's on your guaranteed two mil. <laughs> and a great career. Retiring yeah. off of a good career, yeah. yeah. Shampoo. All right, and then uh, shampoo Dan Patrick. Yes, uh, I guess he had made comments about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson did not like it. Shampoo. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Deshaun Watson blamed the media for his negative coverage, and Dan Dan Patrick said, "You you're a creep. You got caught. <laughs> <laughs> you're a creep. You got caught." Oh, mic drop. You got him. Yeah, you don't want to mess with Dan Patrick. Nah. He knows how to use words. He's off ESPN, man. He will not fuck around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he controls his own destiny at this point. Yeah. Uh, shampoo to you, Dan Patrick, for ripping shampoo. on Sean Watson, much like we do on this show on the regu- with regularity. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the jabronization. And then also, let's go to UC, University of Cincinnati, Nick Van Exel, former inductee. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, arguably the best corner in in the NFL right now, Sauce Gardner, are both graduating from UC. Yeah. It's good to see these guys uh, continue to get their education and finish what they started there. Hell yeah. Love to see it. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball and make sure to become a member of our Facebook group, The Best and Worst of Sports Twitter, a subsidiary of Trevbook to join the conversation and revel in sport in real time. Tune in Thursday, August 24th as we induct Lance Allworth. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always.